grateful that you are here in the presence of the Lord. God is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And I feel his presence. How many feel his presence? That's what you're feeling. You're feeling the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say how happy I am to see Brother Ken Louie here today. Let's give God praise for Brother Ken Louie being here this morning. Amen. He has, he has been through a series, a season of sickness, and we've been praying for him. And I'm so grateful that God has raised him up. Amen. And touched him in a way that he could be here this morning. Amen. We thank God for that. Amen. We love Brother and Sister Louie. And, and, uh, and I want to say how happy I am to see Sean Storms. Sean, could you just kind of wave your arm back there? God bless you. Sean Storms. Man. This is very special to me because when I arrived in Cincinnati, my family, uh, when we got here, Sean was the first Bible study that I taught upon arriving in Cincinnati. And I'm glad to see you here this morning, Sean. God bless you, man. That was just a great surprise. We're so happy. Amen. And I want to, uh, I want to turn your attention this morning to the word of the Lord. The book of Nehemiah chapter 9. The book of Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 11. Thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou ledest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Gave us them bread from heaven for their hunger, hunger, and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promisest them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hadst sworn to give them. But, but, they and our fathers dealt proudly, and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments. And refused to obey. They refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them. But hardened their necks. And in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. And you forsook them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. Yet thou, in thy manifold mercies, forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. 
Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms, nations, and didst divide them into corners, so that they possessed the land of Sihon and the land of King Heshbon and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. Their children also multipliest thou as the stars of heaven and broughtest them into the land concerning which thou hadst promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. And I, I just want to preach to you for a little while on this subject this morning. His wonders in the wilderness. His wonders in the wilderness. Praise his name. Could we lift our voices once more to call upon the mighty name of God. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have in your presence and I thank you for the word of the Lord that is our guide Lord that is our lamp I thank you today that this has been a time and a place where people have gathered to hear from you I pray that you will speak Lord speak Lord speak Lord speak through your word we pray and through your messenger and I pray for an anointing upon me and upon this people Lord that we may hear your word and receive it into our lives in Jesus name we pray and everybody said in Jesus name and everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for your attention to the word of God. It's important to know the context of this passage that we're reading from. These are the Levites talking. The Levites had responsibility to, to share with the children of Israel the history and the law of God. It had been a while since Israel collectively had heard the law of God and, and had heard the history as it were laid out. There's more we could have kept reading and we could have began prior to the passage where we did begin. But the important thing was Israel was coming into a new season they had been in captivity they had been in bondage and now they were returning to Jerusalem to build the wall this is the book of Nehemiah he famously built or rebuilt <clears throat> the wall around the city of Jerusalem to protect her from her enemies the children of Israel had to have much courage and faith to accomplish such a task and they were discouraged by naysayers and opponents to this rebuilding of the wall. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, appointed the governor, and Ezra, who was the scribe, and the Levites, all stood before them and shared with them the word of the Lord and the law of God and the history of the people of Israel. And that's where we enter into the text. And they were sharing with these people the goodness of God to the people of Israel for their duration of time since Abraham, their father. And, and in order to know about that, that amazing experience they had, we just read a little bit about it. But this amazing experience that they had that, that God would bring them up out of the land of Egypt by the hand of Moses, the mighty man of God. You have, to, you have to somewhat know 
little bit about Moses. See, we really, we really learn of, of this communication between God and Moses when Moses is keeping sheep on the backside of the desert. The Bible said he saw a, a, a wonder in the wilderness, a wonder to behold. He saw a bush that was burning, but it would not be consumed. It makes me wonder how long he saw the bush burning. Because he said, now I will turn aside. I don't know. Maybe he saw the bush burning and turned aside. I'm not trying to add to the word of the Lord. But maybe he saw it Monday and thought, oh no, there's a bush that's burning. It came back Tuesday and it's still burning. I don't know. I just know that the bush was burning and he took note of the fact that it was not being consumed. And he finally said, now I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to go figure out what's going on over here at this burning bush, but non-consumed bush. And when he did, the voice of the Lord came from the burning bush. And this exchange that transpires between Moses and God is truly powerful and is exemplary of how God dealt with his people throughout the, throughout the scriptures. The Lord reveals to Moses that I have heard the cry of my people. He lets him know I have seen their affliction. It is not lost on me. And furthermore, he said, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of their captors. And I'm going to use you to bring it about. Moses' question was, who am I? And God said, I am, or Yah. He said, I am that great I am. You tell Pharaoh, I am hath sent you. You tell the children of Israel, I am hath sent you to deliver my people out of the bondage of Pharaoh, to let my people go. And of course, Moses has this exchange with God. He's wrestling with his own insecurities. One of the first things he said was, I am not eloquent. Isn't that funny? I am not eloquent. Do you know how many people I've heard say that about giving a testimony for the Lord and sharing of his great power? Oh, I'm not good with words. Moses was probably worse with words than you are. And he was one of the greatest messengers that God had ever used in the history of the world. He said, who am I? I am not eloquent. I don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do. And God said, I'm not asking you to go in your own power, but but I'm going to go before you. Now, you also have to understand Moses' background. Moses was 80 years old when he's having this conversation with God. You know, he's he's like got a little condo in Florida all set up. You know, he's not looking to go. <laughs> he is not looking to go back into Egypt. Man, I retired from there a long time ago. But God said, I'm going to put you back on the mission field into the land of Egypt. And, and Moses is deflecting and, and dodging. And it wasn't just that he was kind of finished in, in, mentally, but he had a reason not to want to go back to Egypt. He had a past in Egypt. There was a time when he saw, he knew 
that he was Hebrew, though he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter and, and, and was schooled in the wisdom of the Egyptians, he was Hebrew and he, he was made to know Hebrew by his nursing mother who, who he was made to understand him, who he was, who his people were. And when he saw the taskmaster abusing a Hebrew slave, he rose up against the Egyptian taskmaster and he said, tried to stop it from happening and in the process of the struggle he ended up going too far he slew the man and then his conscience got the best of him and he he couldn't believe what had happened and he had hoped maybe that nobody would know but it wasn't long thereafter just a short time frame thereafter that somebody else was striving and he tried to break up their little squabble and they said what are you going to do are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian Moses said, I didn't know anybody knew that I had done this. He left town. He left and had determined never to go back. His past haunted him until the day he stood before the burning bush. Can I tell you that the devil will try to keep you bound to your past so that you will never do what God wants you to do for his glory? I just want you to hear what I'm telling you. The devil will sound such a loud sound of condemnation in your spirit, trying to press you down into believing that you could never overcome such a difficult and sinister past that you could not be used for the glory of God in the future. And I've just come to tell somebody that God can use you for his glory if you will turn it all over to him. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel like somebody needs to hear that today because you don't believe. Somebody here doesn't believe, but I pray in the name of Jesus that by the time we're done this morning, you will believe. Somebody doesn't believe God can use you, but the word of God is going to combat that doubt in your life. And that defeatist mentality that the devil has imposed upon you. You need to have a burning bush experience where you stand in the presence of the Lord. Where you stand on holy ground. Where you hear God speak to you and say, I have called you for my purpose. I have anointed you and I will send you and I will give you power and I will give you favor. And I will go with you into every difficult circumstance. Now, now I'm going to tell you, Moses' life was not a bed of roses after this. So don't think that because God's going to use you that everything's just going to be all nice and dandy. No, this is when the real action started. Up to this point, he's just kind of enjoying every day watching his sheep doing his thing. But God said, no, I've got a purpose for you. And by the time this thing is finished, you will have accomplished something for my glory that was desperately needed. And I'll see you one day on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the scripture teaches us that Moses went into, of course, Egypt. God had told him, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Tell him to release them from their bondage. Bring them out. Bring them out. I will send plagues to bring out my people from the land of Egypt. And he said, I want you to bring them into a place where I can commune with them. 
where they can make a feast before me in the wilderness and I will teach them of who I am because these are my children and they don't even know who I am. And I'm going to lead them and feed them and guide them until they do know who I am. So you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. As a matter of fact, the Bible said, the Lord said, let my son go. Furthermore, he said, Israel is my firstborn son. Let my firstborn son go. This is personal to God. Your deliverance is personal to God. Let them go, he said. Bring them into this place where I will commune with them and I will talk with them. And, And he said, because I have a land that I have given unto their fathers. Hallelujah. A land that flows with milk and a land that flows with honey. A land that is ready for them and waiting for them. It is a land that they will possess He said, it is going to be their land, and I will drive out the enemies before them. I have made a way where there seemed to be no way. You let them know that they're not going to be in Egypt much longer. It's time to come on out of Egypt. Now, when Moses had brought this to them, they were were not ready to receive it at first, simply because of the fact that they knew nothing more than Egypt. They had, been in, they had been in bondage, ladies and gentlemen, longer than the United States of America has been a nation. Much longer than, they, than, than the United States has been a nation. And so this was multi-generational in terms of what they believed about themselves. And they just simply believed that this is where they were supposed to be. And so when Moses came in, Moses came in with a message not just for Pharaoh, but for the people of God to understand who you are. You are his. And he has something very special for you. I want, I want somebody to know today that I don't know what kind of disorder your life has allotted you up to this point or what kind of dysfunction you have grown accustomed to or what kind of pain you have begun to think is normal or what kind of shame you have begun to to believe is just the way it is supposed to be for you and 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 you kind of envy people who don't necessarily you think deal with what you deal with don't kid yourself they deal with it too but but understand that the dysfunction God wants to heal Understand that the disorder, God wants to heal it. Understand that the pain and the shame, God wants to lift it off of you. Please know that regardless of how long you've been in bondage, or how long your parents, grandparents, and ancestors have been in bondage, God wants to lift you up out of that bondage and bring you into a land of perfect promise. Glory to God. And so he brought them out. I won't go through all the plagues, but I mean when Pharaoh hardened his heart, the plagues of God came upon Egypt, and Pharaoh stubbornly and foolishly tried to resist God even after one plague after another began to strike Egypt, and God would unleash another set of plagues, and his heart would harden. He would unleash another set of plagues until finally the firstborn of every house of Egypt and, and, and the firstborn of every house where the blood of the lamb was not applied had died. And finally, he released. And even after he released Israel to go, he tried to 
dictate the terms and say, all right, you can go, but, but leave your cattle here. You can go, but, but leave your belongings here. And, and you can go, but, but leave your children here. And, and, and Moses said, no, you don't understand. You don't get to dictate, dictate the terms of my deliverance. When God brings me out, he brings me out. He brings my family out. He brings my mind out. He brings my body out. God has delivered me. You don't get to tell me, oh, I'll let this be free, but I won't let that be free. No, no. He's going to deliver me body, soul, spirit, mind, heart, wife, children, job. Hallelujah. He's going to deliver me. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And they came out. The Bible says that the Lord bore them up on eagles' wings. And he brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And he brought them to the Red Sea. I, I won't even belabor this. One of my favorite things to preach about. So, so I'm going to have to I'm gonna grit my teeth and not preach about it too much. I'll just say that when there seemed to be no way, the Lord made a way. Moses said, stand still. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, you want to know what you need to do next. And God said, stand still. Stay where you are. Plant your feet upon the word of God. Plant your feet upon the promises of God. And stand there. Stand there till God moves. Stand there till God delivers. Stand there till the miracle working power of the Lord is manifest in your life. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. All right. Oh, man, I want to talk about it so bad. Hallelujah. He divided the waters asunder. Hallelujah. He peeled them back. And when he peeled them back, they didn't walk on soggy ground. They didn't walk on seaweed. They didn't slip and slide on mossy rocks. They walked through on dry ground. It was like the water had never been there. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to preach it. God's going to give you a miracle, and you're going to walk on dry ground. It'll be like there was never any water. It'll be like you never did drugs. It'll be like you never were an alcoholic. It'll That's the kind of miracle God wants to do in your life. going to love like you had never been betrayed. You're going to trust like you had never been disappointed. Dry ground. Oh my, have mercy Jesus. I got to keep on moving. Hallelujah. Because when they came up on the other side, whoo, hallelujah, when they came up on the other side, they looked back and they were a little nervous at first. 
Because when they looked back, the waters were still parted. And here came old hardened heart Pharaoh. Said, all right, everybody, go get them. And they come down into the waters. And the children of Israel are like, okay, what's going to happen now? This was a great miracle for a little while. And now it looks like it's going to really turn out to be a backfire, a big backfire. But God waited until the last horse, until the last chariot, until the last soldier had got down into the water right where he wanted them. And then the Lord collapsed the waters upon the horse and the rider. He cast them into the sea. And when they saw that the Egyptians had been buried in the water. Oh, I wish I could preach burying it in the water. And I think it's ironic that it was a Red Sea because it's a crimson stream. Lord help me Lord help me I gotta gotta get back on track I'll be on this dry ground but when they saw those Egyptians go in that water and the Bible said they saw their face no more forever and they began to worship God you know this dancing we were doing we were doing this dancing because we remember when he cast our enemies into the water and he delivered us The folks, that's why you're clapping, because you know it's right. That's why you're saying, preach, preacher. Amen, preacher. You are a witness to the fact that I can tell you what he's saying is true, because God did it for me, and he'll do it for you. said God said I want them to know who I am he said I want them to understand that I'll be with them by day as a pillar of cloud I want them to know that by night they don't have to worry because I'll be with them like a pillar of fire I want them to know that when they wake up in the morning and are hungry and Starbucks is nowhere around and Dunkin' Donuts isn't anywhere around, I want them to know manna will fall from heaven. I will give them to eat of angels' food. And when you're thirsty, uh, I will bring water from the rock. Ah, Lord have mercy. And you don't even have to have a drill. You don't have to have all of the modern technology in order to extract that water. All you've got to have is obedience. You say, well, I thought Moses used his staff. Well, he did because that's what he had in his hand. But the real power was in his obedience. Because it didn't matter what he had in his hand. If he had a rock, God said, throw that at it. If he, if he just had no nothing, he said, kick it, something, smite the rock. He had t- taken that rod and obeyed God and water flowed from the rock. Hallelujah. And God was so excited to show his people his glory and his power. And he said, I can't wait to take you to the land of promise. I can't wait to take you into my glorious provision for you. Because I have a land that flows with milk and honey. I have a land that is just just beautiful and perfect. 
I have a land that is waiting for you. you you're going to plumb the depths of this land and you're going to find my daily provision for your life. I gave it to your father Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and I can't wait to give it to you. And so the day came when they were going to go in. The Bible says that they spied out the land. And when they spied out the land, 12 spies, one from each tribe. And when they spied out the land, 10 spies came back saying, it's not possible. Wait, what? Really? I just parted the Red Sea. I just, I just, I just, I just forced all of Pharaoh's and his armies into the sea. I, I just rained bread from heaven every day. I just brought water out of a rock. I, I, I brought plagues upon Egypt. And now you're going to tell me that it's not possible that you could go into this land of promise that I have for you? And, and they said, well, the reason is that, that we looked inside and there are giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers in comparison to the giants. See, that's the problem. He said, it's over and over and over in our lives. And you know it's true. You get thrown off of God's trajectory for your life because of how you see yourself and how you see your enemy. You need to get your eyes off of your enemy and get your eyes off of yourself. And understand it doesn't matter how big they are or how little you think you are. It's about who he is. Stop removing God from the equation. You're looking into the land God has promised you. He's promised you peace. And you say, I could never have peace because the giants that I would have to bring down in order to have peace, they would never come down. And, and you, look at the, you look at the joy God said you could have. And you said, I could never have joy because there is such a depressive giant that I could never bring this giant down. And, and, I, and, I, and God said that I would actually have love and that I would receive love and that I would give love. And, and I could never have that. Other people can have it and, and, and they can live happily ever after but I could never have it because I'm a grasshopper and those things are giants to me and you've got it all wrong it has nothing to do with your giant it has nothing to do with you being a grasshopper hallelujah it has to do with who is the Lord of glory who is the God of Jacob the God of Jacob will defend you hallelujah I wish I could tell you that those 12 spies walked into that, that land of promise and they came out with Miriam's timbrel. Shouting and dancing with the trumpets of the priests saying, let's go take the city because God has given us the city. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. But my message this morning is not to those. It's not to Joshua and Caleb who go in and have the faith and have the, have the confidence that God's going to do it, that God's going to bring us in and God's going to show us his glory. My message is not to Joshua and Caleb. Caleb today. My message is to the ten spies who made the worst mistakes of their lives and it impacted the whole generation that lived around them.
Because I feel like there's somebody here that knows what it's like to look squarely into the eyes of the promise of God. And because of your doubt and because of your unbelief and because of your discouragement and because of lies the enemy has told you, you made a conscious decision to walk away from what God wanted for your life. And now you think that there is no hope and now you think you missed your opportunity and now you believe that there is just no way you could ever get back what God had promised to you and you're living your life in this plan B situation where you're trying to make the best of a bad situation and I guess I'll just have to live the rest of my days on the backside of this desert and I guess I'll just have to dry up and die in this wilderness because I missed my moment and I missed the will of God and I missed what he had promised to me and I made a mistake and I can take you to win and where I made this mistake and I can tell you what was going through my mind when I made this mistake and I can tell you, I can show you and it's been since then that I've never been able to believe for a promise from God in my life he might be able to do something good but no, because you don't don't know I, I looked at his promise and said God, I don't believe I looked at his will and said God, I don't want it I made conscious decisions, Pastor. I'd love to preach to Joshua and Caleb. I love Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's like old age walking up saying, give me my mountain. (laughs) He's not scared of anything. Joshua's old and stricken in years on his deathbed, and God said, God said, wait a minute, get up. We've got more lands to conquer. I love Joshua and Caleb, but I'm not preaching to Joshua and Caleb today. I'm preaching to the folks who feel like they're wandering in a wilderness and that they're never going to be able to get out of it because they remember when they made the choice and they remember when they made the decision and they can point me to times and places and dates where they rebelled against God, where they defied God, where they stiffened their neck and they hardened their heart and they refused, they refused, they refused to obey. So how can you tell me, pastor, that God could ever help me after he tried and I pushed him away? Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger. I want want to say that again. Slow. To anger. I'm not, listen, I, I, there's, listen, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to preach to you about the anger of God. Not this morning, but I'll do it. He's, he has indignation, wrath, and fury, and anger. But it's important, it's important that preachers preach the anger of God. We have to preach the whole counsel of God. God gets angry, and we have to preach that. But you have to preach the other side of it also. He's slow. To anger. And you better thank God. And I better thank God that He's slow. Hallelujah. 
Because you know what my Bible tells me? My Bible tells me, hallelujah, that you are of great kindness. You forsook them not. After they rebelled, you forsook them not. After they hardened their heart, you forsook them not. After they stiffened their neck, you still came to them every day as a pillar of cloud. After they refused to obey, you still showed up as a pillar of fire. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that rock I talked to you about that, 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 that Moses smote and Paul later said that rock was Christ. He said that rock followed them. I like to say it this way. When Israel refused to follow God, God was still following Israel. And you can testify to that in your own life. How do you think you got out of that mess that you got yourself into? How do you think you got home safe that night? How do you think in the middle of your rebellion, in the middle of your transgression, some God, hallelujah, was leading you and guiding you and keeping you because even though you stiffened your neck against him, he forsook you not. For the next 40 years in the wilderness, full of rebellion, full of disobedience, full of hearkening not to his commandments, refusing to obey him, God, who is faithful, was giving them manna in the morning, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They missed the will of God, and he's still there. He's still performing his wonders in the wilderness. That's who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to the person who doesn't believe that they could ever make their way back to the promise of God because they missed their turn. You know, thank God for GPS. God's positioning system. Amen. Thank God. Y'all, I just got to tell you that God invented GPS for me. I'd been lost. I'd be that lost sheep out in the middle of the country. I don't know where I am. I hardly know how to get back home from church today. I, I could go somewhere. I could go somewhere for, for, for 10 years every day and still have to, I'm going to type in this address, make sure I get this right. I don't know what it is. I can remember a lot of things. I cannot remember directions. So God said, I'm going to give him GPS, and everybody else was blessed by it too, and I'm grateful for that. GPS is amazing because, because you type in the address of where you're headed and where you're going. And you're headed that way and you're going that way. And then just like Israel, something distracts you and you get off track. And you just, you're trying to get where you're trying to go and you're trying to arrive at your destination. God has a land of promise and you're, you're, you're focused and you're steady. And then all of a sudden there's a Krispy Kreme hot now. It doesn't say hot five minutes from now. It doesn't say hot tomorrow when you come by. It says hot now. And you're ready now for some hot now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And you get off that exit ramp. And all of a sudden you hear this still small voice. Recalculating. Recalculate. And you learn to just tune it out. 
I'm going to go my own direction. I'm going to do my own thing. And the whole time the voice is saying, in 40 feet, make a U-turn. I'm not making a U-turn. I've made up my mind. It's hot now. It's right now. I'm ready now. We're going to do this thing. But the whole time you're trying to focus on what you want and what you want to arrive at and you've ignored the directions, you've ignored God's will, you've ignored the land of promise, you've made up in your mind that this is a land that flows with milk and glaze and this is where I'm going. And God is saying, and and every time you make a turn, He's, got a, he, he's already thought ahead of you. He's saying in 20 feet, you can make a U-turn here. And you pass that up. He said in, in a quarter of a mile, make a right. And you pass that up. He said in, a, in an eighth of a mile, just make a U-turn for crying out loud. I'm trying to get you back on track. And I thank God that he's constantly speaking to us. I will recalculate for you. If you will listen to the still small voice, you will hear him say, recalculating. In two minutes, when this man stops preaching and opens up this altar, run to the altar. Get down to the altar. Make a U-turn. Turn around. Turn around. I've got a land for you. I've got a promise for you. I've got a purpose for you. Hey, I don't know how far off the beaten path you've gone. I don't know how rebellious you've been. I don't know how disobedient you've become. But my God has recalculated a plan and a path for you to bring you back into his purpose and into his promise. I want you to hear. I'm I'm coming to a close. Our musicians can come. I'm coming to a close. But, but no, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament promise. The Old Testament promise is a place where God takes you and places you into it. But the New Testament promise is a promise that He takes and places in you. What, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say it doesn't have to take you 40 years to recalculate. You can recalculate in 40 seconds. Hallelujah. You can throw your hands up right now and say, Lord, I'm turning around right now. I'm turning around right now. I've made up my mind. I'm going to stop going the wrong direction. I'm going to turn around now. I wonder if we could lift our hands and talk to him in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could lift our hands and talk to him right now in the name of Jesus. Has God been faithful to you? Has he continued to wake you up in the morning in spite of your disobedience? Has he continued to lead you and guide you? Has he continued to provide for you according to his loving kindness and his tender mercies? You ought to stand in honor of his name and magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. I wonder 
You know, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. We can go around this room, and, and there might be things that we have disagreements on. But can we agree on one thing and focus on that for a little bit? Can we all just make up in our mind we're going to agree on this one thing? God is good. You agree with that? You agree with that? Woo! Hallelujah. I need somebody who's been going through a wilderness experience and maybe it's a result of your disobedience. Maybe it's a result of your rebellion. Or maybe you're like Moses and it's a result of somebody else's disobedience and somebody else's rebellion. Because Moses missed the promised land too. He missed the promised land because of these people's defiance of God. And some of you, some of you are dealing with circumstances you did not bring on yourself. And you're going through a wilderness because of somebody else did in your life. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I've come to you with the message that Moses came to Pharaoh. Let my people go. It's time to be free. It's time to be delivered. It's time to be brought up and brought out of that bondage. Hallelujah. Come on all across this house. Lift up your hands unto the Lord in Jesus' name. And I want you to begin to praise God for He is good, for He is good, for He is good, for He is good. Come on, praise Him because He's good. In the name of Jesus. There's a recalculating happening in your life. Hallelujah. There's a recalculating happening in your marriage. There's a recalculating happening in your mind. You think you're so far gone. You're not so far gone. You think you could never get back on the path. Yes, you can get back on the path. You think you could never bounce back. People will never forgive you. You'll never live it down. I rebuke all of those lies of the devil in Jesus' name. It's time to come back. It's time to rise up. It's time to Step into the promise that God has prepared for you. Oh, bless his holy name. Oh, bless his holy name. I need somebody who believes what I'm preaching to begin magnifying God, to step out of their seat, come to the front of this house, and say, Lord, it's me. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, God. It's me that needs to recalculate and come back home. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's it. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost is here. God wants to do something. He wants to cast your enemies into the sea. Yes, He does. He wants to cast your enemies into the sea. He's going to cast that fear into the sea. He's going to cast that lust into the sea. He's going to cast that pride of life into the sea. He's going to cast that depression, that sickness into the sea. All that condemnation, He's going to bury it in the waters. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You need to reach out and let God do it right now. He wants to do it. He wants you to know you might have given up, but he didn't give up. He never stopped believing that you were going to walk into the land of promise. He never stopped believing that you would have peace in your home and in your heart and in your mind. Oh. 
promise still stands. Great is your 